Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Knew God in Job knew God in power, but not in suffering. And I think that's a powerful statement to make because a lot of times we really don't know what we think about God until we are suffering. Because <laughs> it's easy to say we have faith when everything is working. It's easy to say we believe in God when everything is showing up, paychecks are rolling in the door. It's like, yeah, I believe in God. I believe in God. And then you know, we often say, but God. But sometimes we have to say, and then. <laughs> the rug gets yanked out from under us. The comfort zone evaporates and dissipates. The, what we think is the favor of God turns into the judgment of God, as far as we're concerned. And then we really find out. God finds out what he already knew. And the enemy finds out what we're really made of and what our belief system really is in God and how much we truly do love him. I mean, Job made some powerful declarations at the beginning of his trial to what he would and would not say about the Most High. His wife, and you said, she also said, uh, you will never know who you married until you go into trial. Hallelujah. We discovered that as, as uh, leaders in the church. You don't really know who's in your congregation until things go a little sideways, whether for you or for them. And who's with you. And who's with you and who's with themselves or with another doctor, you know, that modified doctor. <laughs> You've been enjoying the modified thing for a while, haven't well, you, you know, talked about We're going to be riding this out for a long time. We're going to get really good at it. Ooh, the modified Christianity. You know, it's, um, first of all, thank you for joining me again this week. Uh, for Christian Organic, Culturally Unmodified Christianity. If you're new, I am Dr. Paula Price, and you're about to have a blast. Oh, Lord. Yeah, the Lord is going to give us a blast today. But I appreciate it. You know, actually, I was surprised, truly stunned, at the feedback that we got on Job. Oh, yeah. The feedback, and from high leaders and leaders of large organizations, and, and it was almost as if, yeah, we knew this stuff, but it's nice to hear it affirmed. And, uh, you know, because sometimes you even go through your growth. You just go on and grow or change, but you never reconcile why God didn't do what he did or why it cost you all that it cost you. And so I was surprised at how many people said, hey, but that spoke to me. I mean, I was talking to a person last night, and they said, oh, no, I can't get to next week because I'm still listening to Job. Because Job is really cleaning out some false issues and false impressions of God and how he does things, and that God just simply wants to make our life miserable. Well, first of all, with or without God, life can be miserable. You know, there are a whole lot of people that don't believe in Jesus Christ who suffer misery every day and still won't choose him. 
As a matter of fact, they call misery a part of life. I remember actually recently watching a uh, some sort of show. I don't even know what it is. And so we got to the end of the show, and the woman was dying. And so she was sitting on the porch on the bench with the priest, and she was dying. He is, they've been friends for 25 years, and for 25 years he was trying to get this woman to receive Jesus Christ, to repent of her sins. And um, for 25 years she said, we are atheists, etc. And so she stayed atheist, but this is what was interesting. We got to the end, he said, you know, you are dying. Your life is literally slipping away from you as we sit here in public. Nobody knows her heart is turning down. He said, I just feel like I would be a horrible friend if I don't give you just one more opportunity. Her words, her answers to him, very interesting. And they were simply, I live my life as an atheist. I must die loyal to that belief. Ooh, wow. And he just said, because it was an intelligent conversation, and he just said um, to her, okay, my friend, I feel like I've done my best. And that was it. You know, wasn't anything, you know, how we like to do it in our little evangelical stuff, you know, when you got the music. There wasn't even any music in the background. But she made a statement that I think was very telling. Telling, She said, but I have to die. I live my life as an atheist. I got my, and she laid it out. I got my successes. I had my family raised as atheists. I cannot cease being an atheist now. And so she, you know, went on and died. And so I say that to you to say that God will work with you all your life. But this whole idea that it doesn't matter, when you think about it, you know, the whole concept that, you know, there is no supreme being, I'm like, but you, we can't even see your soul. How do I know you got one? That's part of why you can't serve Jesus Christ. You can't find your soul. You can't find your spirit. And we live with that. Talk about the spirit of this and the spirit of that. What are we saying? You know, there are certain things that just, no matter what you say and unsay, well, life is about, you know, a whole litany of say and unsay. But I say that to say, you know, as we go forward in this whole thing with Joe, Joe knew there was an afterlife. You know, the whole idea that you go to sleep and never wake up and don't feel anything, it's ridiculous. You go to sleep now and you dream. You go to sleep and you're terrified in your sleep. Where do we get nightmares from? People sleeping. We get nightmares from people sleeping. And so you go to sleep now, and you have dreams. You, uh, you, you go through certain traumas in life and memories of things that you never thought of pop up in your head. So this complete shutdown of the, tri- of the threefold or tripart makeup of man is ridiculous. You, you go to sleep. You, you claim to have a spirit. You know, I, I, th- I wonder if atheists have spirits. Because it's got to be based on you, 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 you're not dealing with anything beyond your five senses or six senses or whatever you want to call them, then you must say, I don't have a spirit, I don't have a soul, because we can't see that, but by faith you say you have it. And if, you, if you're talking faith, you're talking the divine world, because it's what they do. So all of the other rhetorics and, and whatever, those arguments, those are all crafted to give that, that, that re- renouncement of the reality of the human body you know, a, 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 an excuse. And we, we closed off that human body and all of those arguments, but you've got to tell me, do you have a spirit or not? Do you have a soul or not? And if you do, then you, you can't say you don't believe in an afterlife because the, the soul can't die with the body. 
because the soul is invisible. Show me your soul, I'll show you my God. Show me your spirit, and I will show you my God. It's a very simple statement because God is spirit. So if you have a spirit, then somewhere along the line, it had to come from somewhere. So if your body, if everything just ceases when you close your eyes, Mr. Intellectual, Miss Intellectual, then you can't ever use the word soul or spirit again in life because you're saying this body is an autonomous or automatic machine. And when it dies, there is nothing keeping it going. It's running on some engine you can't explain. It's running on some power you can't explain. It's fired up and kept alive by so-and-so. You can't ever use that phrase. You just can't because the, the, the whole essence of the life and death question is if we have a soul. And if we do, there's no dust. Nobody says that, there, you know, from the dust your soul came to the dust your soul returns. It didn't say that. It said, but the soul and the spirit go back to God who gave it. So if that God is a machine, whatever, it's still saying that there was an afterlife. And, and there has to be, if there's a cognizance of an afterlife, then it has to be a cognizance of, in you about its existence. So if you have a soul, then you believe in an afterlife. If you have a spirit, you believe in an afterlife. And if you can't show somebody your soul, and you can't show somebody your spirit, then you can't tell us there is no God. Because you can't prove that the, the, the criteria that's for believing in God exists. You, if you can't believe, prove your soul exists, then I understand you not knowing whether God exists. If you can't prove your spirit exists, then we can't say the spirit of humanity. Where is that coming from? We can't say that. You can't talk about subconscious any longer because subconscious belongs to your soul. Psychologically. So you can't say you have a subconscious. You can't even say you have a conscious. You don't have a consciousness because you can't have it both ways. Everything... Everything that's based on this woman, I watched that woman, and I looked at her. Now, here's the joke. You're dying of a disease that you can't explain. You are a world-class physician, and you can't heal yourself. You can't keep yourself alive. She's sitting there. You are. You started out in your career in your late 20s, early 30s, cute, tight, taut, vigorous, full of energy and vitality. You're sitting on a park bench, rotted away, looking like an old piece of dishcloth, talking about this is what atheism rewarded you. At least we know we got a hope of a new body. At least we know that. Think about it. Because everything in life shows how little control we have over it. We're going to age, period, die. If God decides he, you are useful to him, he will keep you on the planet longer. If you are useful and respectful, he will keep you on the planet in reasonable good health. If you are useful and, and, and uh, reverential, he's going to give you a miraculous existence and, and, a, and miraculous vitality because you bring him glory. But that's the part that I think is so amazing. You know, Ashley, our clock, Ashley, what are we doing in September? We are launching our, I just think, we are doing so many things. <laughs> Hallelujah. We are launching Christ University online and local. On-site. On-site campus. Yes, on the ground. And I have to say relaunching because we, the campus, especially. Because yeah, it's Kingdom and Missy University, renamed. Yes, and when I met you, uh -huh. you had a school in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And you had a school in New Jersey. So this, for sure, isn't your first rodeo. I mean, you're not guessing or trying nothing anybody would ever really accuse you of guessing. Oh, all some do. Uh, yeah, but, you know, I think it's cool that's because they didn't read it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but, uh, and relaunching, but I mean, like, this is 2.0, 10.0. Yeah. Okay, as far as I'm concerned with the curriculum. That, you know, the curriculum you had then was powerful mm-hmm. and amazing. And so now we are building. Well, now it's level one in undergrad. Yeah. Yeah, we are in the, I think, the embodiment of simultaneity. I love it. I love it. What we're doing with the church, the school, the school, the school, PPM Global, our students. Near. And and the Lord told us for years, you are not going to be ready. You're not going to be ready. And the magnitude of what he's doing is blowing me away just as much Mm -hmm. as the actual thing. Yeah that he is doing, because it's, it's not, you know, a little cluster, a little this, a little that. It's no, no. so huge. Oh, no. If, if people would be surprised, and they will be when they enroll in the school. And, and, you know, and I realize I've had a school since 1986. God has had me building this school and building the curriculum. Well, when you're trying to build the future in the present, opposition becomes the number one way of living. If you're building the future, right now, then you can rest assured opposition from the present is going to happen. And it's not all hostile. Sometimes we like to think that opposition is all hostile, but it's not all hostile. Some of that opposition is just just logical. People don't know what you're talking about. They weren't brought into your vision. They're not part of your vision. They're not called to be it. Sometimes they pass through your life as test subjects to test the vision to see how it's going to land, and then they're gone out of your life. Sometimes you also have to build two or three versions of it as you go forward in your life, perfecting that which God wants to use and roll out into the future. Sometimes you just need to understand that. And so some of us, because of that very bad word of faith, charismatic perception that God does all the work and all you do is pray and that if you want it, you can name it and claim it. Yeah, you can name it and you can claim it and you can fame it. But in the midst of all of that, it will also shame you because new things are rough. They're rough. They're underdeveloped. They're unsubdued and unsubduable. Until you learn the rules of, of subduing, it's going to run you. It's like a, 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 a getting a big dog who's really a puppy. That thing has no idea about who they are. It doesn't know. It runs you down the road. It jumps up on you, breaks your collarbone. You know, I mean, because it's a puppy. It's, that's not hostile. It's a puppy. And a lot of times, you know, the people who want to keep wild animals as pets, you know, well, he's only two, but he's 200 pounds, okay? He's only nine months, 200 pounds. Undomesticated. Undomesticated. Yeah. And so, and a vision is like that. Everything God does come in, comes into existence in its full, with its full potential and 100% primitive. 100% primitive. So you have got to cultivate it and develop it. Now, why am I saying that? All of those editions of my school, I release new products, release new curricula, new subject matter, and also further defined my uniqueness, the unique way God developed me to go and develop his people, how he taught me. I have been... You know, I, I, I'm, in, I'm encouraging you, you know, as of, I think next week we'll have it online. I'm encouraging you to enroll in the school. 
is no more than I want to know God. If you say, I want to know God the way he is, then you need to enroll in this program, and you need to enroll in this school. We have a uh, program, my class, I've been working on this for, I don't know, about six weeks or so, putting together the textbook for this class. And um, and so I'm that, I'm almost done. It's about it'll probably finish out at 200 and something pages of genuine textbook for this class called Apostolic Prophetic Bible Education. Now I've been mentioning it. I have a lot more. I'm talking about the one that I'm getting ready right now. And so I've been mentioning this and mentioning this because I live in awe every single day of the things that God wants known about Himself that he wants us to know, and he gave it to me to teach. So all of my upsets, all of my setbacks, all of the restarts and the relaunches, all of that was to the end that he could communicate with me on this level and then teach me how to convey those revelations to his people in useful ways. See, there's a lot of useless information out there, but there's not one piece of useless information in Scripture. It's just been misused and misunderstood. So I encourage you to do it. So I'm doing this book, and we're dealing in the deep subjects of God. We're dealing in the deep things of God, and we're dealing in why he wrote the scriptures and why he won't let up on them and why he cannot back down and why he won't give up and all of the things that we have. We have now covered, if I didn't do it in Before the Garden, God's Eternal Continuance, we have covered Life, death, creation, the planet. God's got me covering all of these subjects in Scripture. We didn't even have, I mean, extra biblical stuff comes later. I don't teach everybody else's work and every other God's thought before I teach Jesus Christ. You don't have to learn every other God first. You need to learn them second because you need to learn their maker first. Go ahead, sis. I know. You have not changed in that. I've not changed. When we had you in school a few years ago, about 13 years ago, it was the same way. I don't want to see. I don't want to okay. hear. And it, it was going scripturally organic. <laughs> but I said, now, we uh, didn't have um, any kind of, uh, you know, access to things that we have now, even as far as some of the resources in our life. But the books that you had, no, no, no. They can go uh, to www.christuniversity.org, and I see several people putting it up there on Periscope. Mm-hmm. If you're listening on Blog Talk, www.christuniversity.org, you can actually begin the application process today. Absolutely. And I want to say it is a process mm-hmm. because this is higher education. Not Bible study. You are not signing up for Bible study, so it's not going to be just enter in your name, phone number, and email, and we will send you a link to pick your classes. That's not how. You have to go through the process. If you haven't taken an assessment within the last two years, you need to take an assessment. If you have, then you've already done that. It's the same for online and campus. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The introductory process. We're talking about transcripts and referrals and, and things like that that may be a part of that. So it is a process just like any other university. You can't sign up the day before classes start unless you have everything lined up. Oh, and, you can submit, and, and package. Right. You mm-hmm. submit to that institution. We need to know you graduated high school. We 
need to know you can handle academically mm-hmm. this level of education. So I wanted to insert that. But that's good because, you know, most people feel like the reason you go to all of these other schools and they don't mention the Bible because they feel like widely circulated is widely understood. Right. Or widely comprehended. They're like, well, yeah, I mean, we all know the Bible. No, we don't. We don't all know the Bible, which is why we have all of these books that are countermanding and contradicting it. Because if we all knew the Bible, we'd be a better Christian. We'd be a better people. And guess what? We have, would have created a, a better world. This world is not a better world for all of the religion and all of the Christian, or, or I should say, you know, uh, personal and spontaneous Christian thought that's circulated, but that's not it. So I, I'm going to tell you a story. I went to, um, I, I don't know, Ashley, it must have been, help me, Father, I want to get it right, had to be maybe the late 80s. I went to, to um, a meeting for accrediting Christian schools, and, you know, I was excited. I've always wanted it, but I, I didn't know why I wanted it then. I do know why it's different today, and we pursued it, but Back then, I just thought, well, everybody said you need to be, uh, you know, so I go to this school, and I mean, they're rolling out their programs, they're rolling out what they choose, and, and I'm excited. It's really, it was a really good presentation. But what I noticed was that they did not give the Bible any credence, and God had already been dealing with me since I'd had so many dynamic moments with him about the importance of his word. So I go. And I talked to several people, and I said, but where's the Bible? Oh, well, you don't need that. People can study that on their own. Oh, really? So I was, now back then, I was just confused. I, today, I'm a different woman. Uh, obviously, you can see 30 years have passed. And so I said, but people don't know the Bible. Yeah, but you don't need that. I mean, that's all. And if they, if they learn it like that, what are you going to do with it? If they don't teach it, what else is it going to do for them? I said, I'm not saying we shouldn't have everything else. I'm saying, why is it that you are calling yourself a Bible college and people don't have to go through the Bible, but they can pick up books and commentaries, et cetera? So they said, well, they got commentaries, so I went through that. And again, I'm new. I'm a naive Christian, so, hey, I don't have a clue. So I go back home, and I'm talking to God, and God said, first of all, they don't know me. He said, because they think the Bible and me are two separate things. They don't know how, how, why I wrote this and how I'm governing the world through what I wrote. And other deities are doing the same. So I'm going on, and I started looking for commentaries. I said, well, okay, they said the commentaries. So I went out, bought a whole library on uh, systematic theology. I don't know, 14 volumes. I mean, I was going to get it. I then bought an entire library on philosophy because I wanted to get it. So, I mean, I really have a kicking uh, library, whole volume on that. I bought books on science. I bought books on, and I went and I did it because I'm thinking, they said we don't need it, so I need to understand what they have that's so much better than Scripture. So I wanted to know. So I, I studied it. I looked it up and studied it. So anyway, thank God I did it then because, my God, I got them, you know, I used to love to rummage at out-of-print bookstores. You get a lot of stuff there. So anyway, so I go there, and I'm looking up, and I'm reading all of this, and I'm reading quotes and I'm reading excerpts, but two things were missing, application and practice. Scripture applied and then biblical practice or praxis, if you prefer. There was no biblical practice. It was, this is what happened. I saw historical accounts. I saw chronological, you know, um, records. I saw tracings. I saw sociological references. I mean, humanities. I saw it all. But what I didn't see was God and what he was doing. 
what I didn't see was what lined up with God. Everything was about the human experience, but it wasn't about the God experience or God's experience with humanity and his experience with his creation. And I looked. I've, I've read all of those books, and when I read a book, nobody can use it because I'm going to highlight it, mark it up, sticky, you name it, I've got it. I read those books. I studied those philosophies. I went through all of that stuff, bought the library, loved it, can't still, you know, it's useful. And I did that because I kept trying to find out what, why was God different with me? So I went on. And so then as I studied, I kept saying, he said, but to them, I'm not a person. I'm a subject. He said, and I'm a test subject at that. I'm not a person. To them, I'm not, a, as a subject, I'm not sovereign. I'm subject to their theories. I'm subject to their theology. I'm subject to what they feel the present world needs to know. That's why you think the Bible's outdated, because you think it was written because people who wrote it were in time. You think its message is in time. No, its message is from a, its authorship is an eternal being, the creator of all flesh. So I, I mean, at that finish, I remember leaving from their soul disillusioned. I've, I've studied all the degree plans. I've studied, you know, what the M did was supposed to do versus the D men versus all of the PhD. I studied all of that, and I kept thinking, but where is God? If God is integrated and miscegenated through all of these other thoughts, then how are God's people to be distinguished? And, how, if, and, and if perchance we can distinguish them, from other schools of thought and scientific studies, because it was trying to make him either an art or a science. Um, so if we can't distinguish him, blessed be God, then how can we represent him? How can we defend him? How can we fight for him? If we cannot wrap our heads around the body of his thought, his corpus of revelation, then how can we stand for him? And, and, and now that was in the uh, late 80s. Here we are today, people talking about who is God and where is Jesus. The very thing that stunned me back then, startled me then, right now is proving itself. And so in less than 30 years, the thing that I felt and I saw being a new minister has happened. Because there is no way for you to find your institution without finding its founder. And you must find the founder. You do not go to your job every day not knowing who is running the institution and where it sits in the whole field of its industry. And so we are, we're going there. And so, well, we want the worldview, and then we want the help everybody view, and then we want the let's get along view, and all of that's fine for the populace. But it is useless for the leaders. Because the leaders have got to take the lead in thought. People are looking to you to tell them about God, not only what's godly, but what's about God. They're not just interested in you telling them about uh, morals or morality. They need to know righteousness, which is a step above morality. God's righteousness does not conform to morality, but we need to tell people how because people need to answer questions. They need to answer questions in political offices, in doctor's offices, in, in, in scientific studies and exploration. They need to answer questions in the area of humanities and sociology. They need to answer it in government, in formulation of government and, and policies and legislation. That all began with God. Why are we not using his prototype? 
because we bought in to a seduction we didn't even know was working on us. We bought into a seduction because Satan has never given up on regaining the ground he lost to the cross. He has never given up, and he's not going to give up. He came after Job because God said Job was his man. And Job was the one that he was looking for, the most righteous man in all the earth. God said that. Satan challenged him by saying, well, yeah, if you gave me all that stuff, I'd say it too, which was a lie. But, I'm, you know, I'm giving you the Paul Price version. But he said, well, does he serve you for nothing? Job had position, status, power, prowess, prestige, respect, wealth. He had it all. But Satan said he, because he had it all, he loved God. Because he had it loved all, he stayed faithful to God. But would he promote God, would he renounce God if he, God took it all away? Because in his mind, in the realm of the earth, materialism is the measure of wealth, and materialism determines ethics, morality, and integrity. That's what he thinks. So God put him through the test, but many of you are there. Can you, can you vote for God when you have a choice? Or is God your default because of your gratitude? And if you vote for him, can you, will you know when, when Satan is literally infiltrating his thoughts in your decision-making information? There are universal wisdoms that work because God is the sovereign and the savior, but there are also universal wisdoms that work because of the law instead of death, and you don't know the two. So be, you love your God. You love him, and I'm surprised every day at the, the height and the depth and the breadth of people who literally love the Lord, would do anything for him, just don't know what to do would never betray him and still just don't know his threat, his risk. They don't know what jeopardizes God. And that's what your education is supposed to tell you. You may never use these thoughts, you know, verbatim. You may never use anything but excerpts from them, but they have to become part of your wisdom and logic system. And that's what's been lacking that God's mind, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What is lacking is that God's mind is not part of your wisdom and logic system. So you have your wisdom and logic for God that you pull out on Sunday, stuff back in your Bible and put it on your table until next Sunday. And then there's the worldview that you believe that you want to keep God a part of, but don't want God to supersede or to reign over it. So you don't realize that, but that's part of the educational system you got. That's part of why when you went to college, you found out all of the reasons Christianity was was literally uh, inferior to world knowledge. You found out, that you and you operate, you believe that. You believe that, that Christianity is inferior to worldview because Satan has trained it. He's built it in the world system. He's built it in the textbooks. He's built it in arguments. It's all in there, and you have nobody giving you Christ's counter view. Half of you all have gone to universities with arrogant professors talking about if you believe in Christianity, you got to leave. Yeah, let me go. I'm going to sit down with you. Talk to me. I want to know. 
I'm going to sit with you because I know why it's superior. You don't know why it's inferior. You believe it's inferior, but you can't prove it's inferiority. What you can prove is the world system's intimidation of Christians. So Christian intimidation is no measure of the superiority of Christianity or the supremacy of its founder. And we have to think differently. Are you all listening to me? I'm in a different vein today because I want you to understand this is the woman who wrote the, who developed this universe. There's a different mind than the lady who slapped the table. Whole different woman. And you have got to be a defender of the faith. And you cannot do it without the knowledge of the faith author. Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. How is it that he is as the author and finisher of our faith doesn't get top billing? It's very important for you to know that. So I'm, I've walked around and I've sat there and I, and I have spent, I can't even tell you, a hundred or so hours studying the whole thing. I've studied some of the best curriculums in the world. I've studied most of the Bible institutes and most of the, the, the um, um, theological schools that are attached to the big eight or whatever you want to call them. And you know what I know? They're not producing people who defend God we are, they're producing people who acknowledge God, accept that he is one of the gods, but are stripping his supremacy and his superiority every single day. I have people who argue with me. I've got people to say to me, I got four, three, four earned degrees, and you still are doing anything to change the world for Jesus Christ. A new convert on the corner with a soapbox and a, and a bottle of Pepsi and a and a, a tattered Bible is doing more to build this man's kingdom than half of his degree folk. Because of the, to get that degree, we had to talk you out of it. We had to take it off the table. So you didn't ever have to think about it. You, that's why you're sitting there and you're trying to figure out well, why, we, why people die. I don't have a problem with why people die. I really don't. I don't have a problem with why people die. I don't have a problem with why there's hunger. I don't have a problem with sin or death. I don't have it because I, the reason I don't have a problem is because I have the answers and the solutions. And it's not, a, I don't use canned statements, and Ashley can tell you, I don't use canned statements, but, well, you know, it's up to God. It's all on God. I don't use that. I don't have to. If you're going to sit in high places in the Lord's church and in his kingdom, you need to know him the same way those who are in the C-suites of the world know him. Those who are in the palaces of the world know their leaders. You need to know God like that. And if that's your goal, then we're the place. We're the place. I had a problem when when we talked about changing the name of the school. I had a problem because, you know, most people don't know. I'm, I'm just not that. I don't push myself like that. But God said to me, but you developed a way of teaching and learning me that doesn't exist, and it needs to be in your name and not in the name of another. So I had to do it. I have the Paula Price learning system, very unique in terms of learning school, how we teach these, the Bible subjects and religious subjects, very different umbrella. And it's meant to be different because if you're going to make change, you've got to change how things are done. You cannot call yourself a change agent going through the same program, bringing out the same stuff, talking about God sent me to change the world. With what? You don't even have the change record. You don't have the change instrument. You don't even have the change wisdom because you literally went to school and got degree for what's already been going on. So you became part of the norm 
part of the normal course of life. That's not what's happening here. So when he told me to change my name, I changed it. Listen, he knows, and those of you who know God know that I'm telling you the truth. I changed it because he said it. And then he said, I want you to put this tagline on it. He said, learn today and lead tomorrow. And so today, we're inviting you to learn, to prepare you to lead tomorrow. You, you, have, you cannot be a world leader without being a thought leader. And you'll never be a thought leader if you think like everybody else. Because leaders who think like the followers are not leading but part of the following. And so I'm okay with being different. I'm okay with thinking different, but I want more of us to be okay with it. I want literally millions and millions of us to know why God did what he did, what happened to Jesus when he went to hell, and why he had to go. Why is it that we keep telling people that you don't go to hell and Jesus had to go? We don't even talk about the fact that Jesus went. I know, because most people don't know. I remember when I found out. I was like, wait a minute, I read, what? And I read again, so I went and bought myself five, six Bibles because I wanted to make sure I wasn't miss, missing it. And it's prophesied in Psalm 16 that he's going and other Psalms, but I was like, but, but that's when I realized the Bible is not poetic. We just read it poetically. And I'm like, that's it. Oh, man, if Jesus went to hell, how are we all going to get out? God, that's God's baby book. It's Jesus. How are you going to put Jesus in hell? Now, we, we live it, actually, every Resurrection Sunday. We live it every Christmas. He came to earth to go to hell. He came to earth to go to hell. He came. We, we bypassed that and said he came to earth to save us. How? Nobody asked how. Well, he died. And what does that mean? How is his death and a funeral going to save us? I don't get it. And so you need to know that. You understand. You need to know that. But you don't just need to know it for, you know, mnemonically to remember it. You need to know it practically. You need to know it dispensationally so you can dispense it to the world so that it can become the, 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 the final vote that tips the scales in God's favor. Half of us cannot tip the scales in God's favor. You don't even think God has a favor. How about we have to get out of you that God is happy about failing? God hates failing, which is why he doesn't choose failures and do big things, which leaves his pool of assets very small. So you have to think differently. If you notice, I have been talking about the same God you pray to. You notice our different conversation about the same God that you pray to. Because if Jesus Christ is in God, you need to leave. You need to be able to tell the Buddhists what's wrong with the whole universe answered me. What part? That's like saying every TV in the world is going to give you their side of the story all at once. Somebody's got to coordinate. Who's coordinating the universe? Somebody has to say why one star should talk to you and not talk to another. See, that's, that's wisdom and logic. That's what I'm talking about. Well, the universe blessed me today. How? Because as far as I know, the universe has helped everybody out all day. So how do you know it did something for you? How did your prayer get to it? What, what prayer threw it right at it? You make a phone call a day. You can pick up your phone and dial all day long. But if you, it doesn't get routed to where you need it to land to get some response or effect, it doesn't matter. See, but you can't deal with that. You can't tell people the problem with reincarnation. 
You can't even tell people God's issue with most of these world things. And you know why? Because you have bought into the worldview of God. And I'm going to take you to the Christ view of God, not just Christian. Because Christianity, you know, Jesus said many Christs are coming. I want to bring you into the Christ view of God. The, the mind of Christ, the second person of the Godhead who introduces you to the first person. And then the third person who keeps them all going. And these are ready. I Now think about this. Now most of you have read my work. Many of you, I won't say most because I get new people every week. Many of you have read my work so you know I don't write junk. I don't write my devotionals. You hardly ever read my personal experience in my writings. You rarely read that, and I use very little commentary on my life. Now, there are some books I put a little more than others. I think in the handbook I might have thrown a few more in than I usually do. But I am a scribe. I write for the Holy Ghost, and I write what the Holy Ghost has been instructed by Jesus Christ and God the Father to release to the earth. Now, I'm saying this for a reason. Now, I wrote the Prophet's Dictionary. You constructed Contemporary Prophet, 398 pages on constructing a contemporary prophet, not just edifying, not just entertaining, not just feeding, 398 pages. I wrote over 200, almost 300 pages on God's apostle revived. I wrote a book called Salvation, The Powers That Make the Difference. You haven't seen it. It hasn't been on the market for a while. My very first work I ever wrote. And then from there, I, I went on to write The uh, Eternity's Generals. And most of you have read that, um, uh, Divine Order for Spiritual Dominance, about the fivefold, another two or three hundred page text. Not redundant. I ask my people, so how much redundancy are you finding in this work? Because this is an amazing volume of work. And so I went on to write that. We then wrote the Prophet's Handbook. And then we did. We wrote ABCs of Apostleship 1 and 2. I wrote that. Little redundancy. Relevant, connectiveness, but not redundancy. And we need to talk about that, 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 you know, connectiveness. I wrote beyond, you know, before the garden. We know what that is, a little over 300 pages of that. So I just completed an amazing textbook on apostolic prophetic Bible education for Price University. It's not going to be on the open market, so don't even ask. Don't ask. And right now, it will stop at around 200, 225 pages, eight and a half by 11. And you know why? Because God has a lot to say and a ton for you to learn if you want to make him the center of your Bible education. So the number one thing we have is that we make the Godhead concentric to all education, and especially Bible education. You need to know that. You need to know how of all of this, how did I come up with the 14 events? How did I come up with scripturally organic, culturally unmodified Christianity? How did I come up with apostolic Christian and discipling apostolic Christians? How did I come up with all of those thoughts, those schools of thought that nobody else was talking about and is talking about? And why did he give it? I know a lot of you all want to know, why did he give it to me? Well, you have to wait till I, I, I you know, hallelujah. Get another opportunity because I don't present my life. My, this work is not mine. You know, I read a lot of people, a lot of ministers' books, and they call it a textbook, but it's their testimony. So it's not a textbook. Hallelujah. It's a testable book. 
because it's about their testimony. It's about how God did things for them spontaneously, how he did it randomly sometimes. But it's, it's nothing that you can build an institution on, line upon line upon line, precept upon precept upon precept. It's the, it's the age-old sales tactic of if it, if it works for me, it'll work for you. If God did it for me, he'll do it for you. That's not necessarily true. God doesn't do for the eye what the toe needs. Well, he doesn't, but that's what we're saying. The, God, the brain knows the difference between what the toe needs and what the eye needs. So if you're an eye, you don't need toe therapy. Because that's what, but that's how we say it. So no, I don't, I don't have it. So people have asked me. I noticed, I remember one time um, of one of the um, significant leaders of this movement said, but I noticed that you don't ever use any of our work because your work is testimonial, is devotional. I've studied far too many of them. Now, it may have gotten better over the years. That I don't know. But when I last stopped studying, it had to be the late 90s, early 2000s, I realized I'm hearing testimony after testimony, how it happened to me, opinions after opinions, unsubstantiated. But this is what I believe. I believe. I believe. I don't, I'm not just asking you to go with what I believe. I want you to go with what I proved. I proved. I proved. It's very different because you can build a science on proof. You are building experience on beliefs, on proof. You can have repeatability and rep- replication on proof. You can't do that on experience. You, that's why we call it, call it a fake anointing. When we try to replicate or standardize an experience, it doesn't work. It's important for you to know why we do what I do and what I'm going to bring to you different in this school than in others. And it's just, I mean, some things are what they are. I've had people say, well, you know, that's just how you see it. Not if you trace it right. It isn't. The first thing I do is we're not going to have 95 versions of the, of the Bible as a school text. They can be references. We'll use them for comparison. But we're not going to do that because most of those versions were to dumb down the word of God to suit cultural trends. And culture speaks to, speaks to deities, and deities outside of Jesus Christ speaks to devils. So we're not doing that. So, you know, we won't even do that. There are some Bibles so popular, I won't use them. You know why I won't use them? Because I know the words they changed were not to God's advantage. It was to the reader's advantage. Everything that we do, if we're going to sit in the seat of the first and second seat of authority or any ministerial seat, ought to be to God's advantage. Everything that you learn, everything you do, everything you handle in Price University will, to, will be to give God the edge. You're going to learn how to bring God's A-game to your world. That's what this is all about, and I really wanted you to get that. I know I'm excited about it, but sometimes, after you know, first of all, I love the fact that you started out. I'm not new. I've been at this thing since 1986. I started my first school as the only everything, taught three nights a week, graded, ran a church, had a family, three kids, and a husband, and I still had to travel, and I did all of that while developing curriculum at the same time. So um, this is not new, and I and spent nights. I studied every night, seven to eight hours. My family watching this these broadcasts, they can post on you that it's true. 
My children would go to bed with me sitting there with a pile of books and wake up in the morning, and there I was. I'd get up, get them ready for school, get my husband off to his job, and I'd take a two- to three-hour nap and went back at it. I gave this anywhere from 18 to 21 hours a day, a day. And God is a witness between us, and so are they. I can write fast now because that's all I've done for 35 years. I can research fast now, think fast, develop, devise, and all of that. And I just I didn't just study religious texts. I also study manuals. I study a almost 2,000-page book on business administration or, you know, um, the uh, business degree. I've studied it, MBA book, almost 2,000 pages, highlighted, flagged, and did it. I studied all the sciences. You already heard what I did. I did not come up with this out of some some sort of floating in the spirit, laying on my face in my closet, you know, situation. I God made me work, and he made me work hard. To this day, I still type my own books and edit and grammar check until I get to the final draft, at which point I bring in somebody I can trust. I used to have people try to help me out, and the next thing I know, they didn't wrote a book on it. So I could, that didn't work. So what am I saying to you? You are not investing in something that's stale and dated. We have our elements of traditionalism because not everything that's gone before us is wrong, but we also have the next generation. And that's what I want to talk about, Christian education for the next generation. Prophet Ashley. Well, I want to say that. Uh... I think they can get to Christ University from DrCollyChrist.com. If not in this moment, I'm sure soon. Because your site is the hub site, but I'm not sure if it's set up yet. So right now for sure, go to www.ChristUniversity.org to get information and to start the process. Yes, you can take online classes starting in September. Yes. So you can begin the enrollment process today. Uh, going to that site and, and reading around, getting uh, basic information. Every day we are uploading more information and more details to it. Make sure you are signed up for our e-mailing list. If you are not signed up for that, that is what you need to do today. Go to www.drpaulaaprice.com and go to the contact section and sign up to get on the mailing list because we're very faithful mm-hmm. in sending out emails about your travel, about sales and deals and things that are available mm-hmm. only to those on the mailing list, That's what's true. new and what's being released, information about Christ University will be coming out very soon in that flow. So make sure you are on the e-mailing list. So many times people are like, I had no idea, I had no idea. Well, are you on the mailing list? Well, no. Exactly. We can't say everything every broadcast. Mm-hmm. And if you catch this in the middle of the end at different times, you may miss it. So make sure you get on the mailing list, the location. We are located in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yes. That's where the campus is going to be. Well, it is. It is. It is. The doors will be opening in Tulsa. Oklahoma. Oklahoma, of course. Oklahoma. So I wanted to answer some of those questions that were floating around um, about connecting. Oh, no, great. And and, and reiterate that because you can't reiterate it enough. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But now, some of your because you took a lot of notes over there, girl. Uh, you know, just when you're talking about what drives you 
and, and I always laugh because Dr. Price has been in uh, ministry almost as long as I've been alive. <laughs> when she talked about starting these things, I'm like, yeah, I was five years old. I was going to kindergarten. <laughs> Getting ready for you. Right, okay. And it goes this long, and, and uh, you know, us growing up, and everything growing up together. So when you're talking about 1987, I was like, oh, eight years old. And yeah. I was, it was great. But um, how you were always pushing for, but where is God in the commentary? There is a continuity of your training and your program. Uh, it's, it's, it is a continuum. Mm-hmm. I mean, truly, you have built this and operated in a continuum. When I go back and dig through your files and I'm finding things from the late 90s, even early 2000s. It's the same vision mm-hmm. that you've been trying to get out and get a body of people to buy into. Uh, and now we have that body. A lot of these other people had to grow up as well. Exactly. <laughs> the generation was just being born. Some of us. That See, that's why I love my millennials. Okay. That are going to take this on. And so, uh, yes, you can study from other countries. If you yes. uh, can do online school, you can get online. If you have the Internet, you'll be able to connect and get that education Yes. from Christ University. That's a great question. And we'll be streaming some of the classes, so you definitely want to do that. So you're not just going to get a pre-programmed lesson. Some of them are going to be live, and you've got to love it. Oh, that's good to know. Mm-hmm. You definitely want to enroll the class. Opportunity and environment is so different, even from a trip, from a conference, from these broadcasts. It's a whole different dynamic. Like you said, you are a different woman, and y'all, she don't play. So, no, no, don't play. Enroll, bring your again. You better be ready to stay up, do your homework. Okay. And you said you have to find the founder in order to understand the institution, understand the foundation. And we don't realize how we have lost sight of who God is, we mm-hmm. don't really hear him being taught as he is mm-hmm. beyond a dynamic a scripture, oftentimes extrapolated to just make this one point, then build a whole 10-point series uh, with their church on it, not just doing the scripture before or after. I love how you do that. And that's just, this is the one we're going to hold you on. We're going to back up a little bit and lead into mm-hmm. why God said what he said, why Jesus wrote what he wrote, why the prophets did or did not mm-hmm. include um, whatever. And so you talk about that. And what is lacking is God's wisdom and logic. We got Raymond, and no logo. you hear stuff like that and say that you're like, duh. <laughs> There's no wisdom in that. Mm-hmm. Right? It just didn't feel right. That wasn't, it's just not logical. Mm-hmm. We're really not taught that God is logical, no. period. That's true. That's now, so true. creation is ordered and structured in a way that we can't even hack into creation. Mm-hmm. Everything is a hack now. You got the hack for this and the hack for that, and we've just taken the idea. And it. We cannot hack the code on DNA as much as they try. Mm-hmm. I'm sure in some lab somewhere off that nobody even knows exists, they haven't created some monstrous thing. Mm-hmm. But still, by and large, overall, we have not been able to hack creation. Nobody has been able to control storms yet. Mm-hmm. No. And they try. And this is a God that we say doesn't, isn't that deep. Mm-hmm. We still don't know how to manipulate the stars and the heavens. We, we don't know how to control them. No, no. We can't change the tide. And they control us. All of our systems are wrapped around this creation that we say just happened out of nowhere. I mean, mm-hmm. give me a break already. So anyway, 
Um, and then you can't defend the faith without knowing the author. Mm-hmm. It's author. It's author. I was chicken scratchy. That's okay. You did well. It is author. Why can't we defend our Christianity? Because we don't know our God. No, we don't. We don't know our Christ. Mm-mm. We don't know the Father. We don't know the Holy, Holy Spirit. Mm-mm. And we're not sure we agree with him. Because we're buying into the sentimentality, the mushiness yes. of the worldview. You know, the worldview is very mushy. Well, he's crying. Well, I just don't think. But the only reason I killed him is because he stepped off my teddy bear. You know, come on. Yeah. Well, now, mushy. Okay, now these people will chase an abusive relationship, a boyfriend who's cheated on him for 35 years mm-hmm. since the day they met him, do all this kind of insanity, and one Christian trips you on your way to the bathroom in church. And you.
So there are things that need to be straightened up. Yeah, we can make we can come up with some modern language. I'll be all right with that. But I studied every obsolete term. I love the Webster. Um, what is it? The Webster uh, 1928 is the 1828 dictionary. Real gives you a lot of Christian stuff, and I think it's the Webster 16 something dictionary. 1913. Forgive me. 1913, 1928, I believe, or 1828, 1913. Look them up. Those are my two favorites, and you know why? Because they correlate with the Bible. And so I study all those obsolete terms because how can you repair the breach if you're going to still not have the original property? When you want somebody to repair your broken chair, your whatever, you want them to have access to the original. And so I say that because I want to know. And I also study the Septuagint. I like that. You know, I'm, I'm telling you so that you can do it. I, all that you've seen, last night, Ashley, we were on um, Wednesday, Warriors. Wednesday Warriors. Yeah, with Chief Prophet Tyler Price. Hey, Warrior Nation, I enjoyed you. Thank you for having me as a guest. Hallelujah. And I thank uh, your host, Chief Prophet Tyler Price, for having me. We were on last night, and they were firing questions at me, and I was able to weave them without sounding like an Elizabethan version of Scripture. And we answered some very profound things. You asked, and I answered. Where did I get that from? I did not tell you what so-and-so said or this one said. You know, my personal favorite is that um, I have a lot of them, actually. So can I run one personal favorite? I got the gavel. I can run. Okay. I can hold it. There you go. My personal favorite. My personal favorite is the stories that talked about we saw all the future little babies in heaven. Now, I'm telling you, that cannot be. Anatomically, biologically, and genetically, that cannot be. But it sounds good to people who know less than you. It sounds real good. Oh, that's nice. You know, uh uh-uh. Anatomically, biologically, and genetically, that cannot be. Enroll in school, I'll tell you why. And there are many more like that. There are many laws that were passed because we did not give the answer to the people who were standing for God that they could use. That's why we, we, how can we be counselors and advisors and we don't want to give God's counsel or advice? You know, apostles and prophets, that was their role, especially prophets. Prophets' job, oh, come on. I can't help it. I'm a ship. No, I'm not. Yeah, hallelujah. Prophets' job is to give counsel to world figures, God's counsel. So now we have the prophets of the, of the world giving counsel and you giving fantasy and imagination. So enroll in the school, and we're going to make you more powerful than you ever dreamed you can be. And you can give answers. You can give answers without sounding like a church sermon. Hallelujah. Woo. Give him that information one more time. You know, I'm excited. You know why I'm excited? Because I've been writing this book thinking this man has been working to get his heart and soul out, to give his people an opportunity to move up to him and move up in the ladder of him. All I'm giving you is the next dimension. That's not taking away from the foundations, not taking away from the classes you've had. Not, you can't even do this particular program without general Bible. You need general Bible. So, And I just happen to have some courses for you, but you need that. Because you can't, how are you going to go specific without understanding the general? So you need general Bible. 
You need so so this is not knocking out anything, but this is getting us ready to regain our dominion in Christ in the world, that his wisdom will become the thought of the leaders. Oh, I just said it again. Hallelujah. Bless you. God's wisdom, his son's wisdom, as the logos, it should be the logic of society since it's the logic of creation. Prophet Adia. <laughs> You're on fire today. I, I mean, there are cows <laughs> dying everywhere. These poor <laughs> cows, they are, they are dying today. We need a move. I know it. So good today. So many things. I agree with a lot of the the highlights that Prophet Ashley mentioned in her review, um, I would say I love the piece that you talked about a little earlier when you were dealing with our ability to distinguish God. You said if we cannot distinguish him, how can we represent him? Um, man, we, yes, we need to chew on that just a little bit. I love that Price University is you know, bringing God to the scene. You said you know, bringing, bringing our A game to God or making God our A game. I just love that. Um, we need to do that. You know, I believe Price University is going to be turning out a generation of people who know their God and can do great exploits, and we're going to need to. And, you know, dealing with what is coming down the pike for the future, you've always been um, ahead, always, 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 and I don't think that that's any different now. I think you are still ahead, and I, I think that even what you're going to be releasing to the students of Price U is still going to put them ahead and make them prepared for the world to come. Um, so I loved that. And also you talked about earlier around the same time as you were uh, dealing with that distinguishing, you talked about being able to answer the questions beyond, you know, just basically putting it on God's shoulders, which is kind of what we do right now in Christendom. Well, I don't know. God has the answers. Well, I don't know. God will figure it out. And you talked about that and dealt with that, being able to give people answers and that there are answers to give. I think that's really the revelation. The phenomenon is there are answers to give. I think a lot of us don't know that. We don't know that there are answers to give until we really come across someone like you who has invested the time to get the answers. Um, and that is, I mean, that is the Price University difference, I think. You know, being with someone, being under someone's teaching who invested the time to actually get the answers and can give them to you. So I love that. Everything was so powerful today. Well, I thank you, and I thank God for you and for my team because, you know, you all were the first ones. Y'all, you were the test subjects. And then you were the, the victory subjects. And now look at you. You're part of the team. You're part of the training. And you know it from the inside out. You know, and using that as a um, jump-off point, you know, uh, online school, please, if that's what you can do, enroll. But there is nothing. I'm, I mean, these, listen, these women can tell you there is nothing like being in the environment if you can arrange it. Now, we've worked on um, housing. We have worked on financing. If you could be in the environment, even for a semester at a time, it is worth it because that impartation and, and, the, and the dispensation is amazing. Online is great. You're going to get the knowledge. You're going to get the information. But on site is where you get the experience and the empowerment in a different dimension. And then I wanted to say one last thing, Ashley. You know, I'm on it today. I'm having a blast. Um, are they rolling with me today? You roll. Oh, I, my tape. You got to give me some of their thoughts. But um, the other last thing I wanted to say is we are, again, I'm not new. The, the school under this name is new. We were, you know, whatever, growing. 
But remember, every school that you revere today started out this way. Everyone that has now become part of the fabric of society, the institutional pillar of society, started out this way. That means you and I are making history, and we're bringing into existence and establishing in the earth something that never was. My, one of my favorite schools, a personally favorite, I just have to say so, is All Roberts University. Come on. They, they, that was a man who started with vision. He had a vision and an idea to create a body of people who would affect a, a society and their communities a different way. But he started out as just him, his name. He's gone. We uh, Every year we have events across the street. What they've done with that school is phenomenal. I love it, you know, but you're still not going to get an apostles and a prophet's degree there. They're not going to treat it as anything but historical and theological and religious, which means if that's your calling, you're not going to do it, and you're going to have to do four more years of school just to be practicing, to practice your calling, or you're going to have to make your calling incidental to your education. And I love the school. My daughter graduated there. My prophet Ashley graduated from there, prophet Adia, and a number of our other people. And I'm telling you, they turn out some brilliant folks. If you have young people that you want to send to school, let, they don't know I'm saying this. I'm not, but this is a personal thing. But I'm telling you, you couldn't pick a better spot than All Roberts University if you want your child to learn Jesus Christ. But it's still not going to give you this dimension. But for your child, your young ones coming out of high school, I, I think it's a phenomenal school. I still have these people today, and they prove to be good fruit from that land. I don't know who you are, but some mother is wondering whether or not I should do it, and some a young person is like, I don't know if I want to do that. It is really good. And since they've been under this whole new restructure, it's state-of-the-art. They're doing some phenomenal things over there. So I, that's one of my favorite schools. I've got to be honest with you, as far as God's schools go. And I'm sure God has others that are just as good. I'm talking about what I know. But even with that, even with that, None of these schools will teach you to answer the call of the first and second office of Christian, Christianity. Now, how can you do that? As great as they are, they won't teach you that. And they won't teach you that because there's no curriculum for it. And there's no curriculum for it because nobody has had down to write it. But I did. They won't teach you the apostolic perspective of God's world. So you know Jesus Christ as the evangelist, pastor, and teacher, but you don't know him as an apostle, and Hebrews say he is, or as a prophet. All right, so I just wanted to get that out there, Prophet Ash. Give me a couple of readbacks, and then we can move on over. Okay. Um, someone says, I write for the Holy Ghost. Come on, that's good. <laughs> uh, someone calls you the truth arrow. <laughs> Teach your tell the truth. Thus Christ is a great writer. Lord, keep blessing her hands to write. Someone else just said, fire. Thank you for blessing the hands to write. Glory. And the mind to think. Okay, we are going to take a break, give you time enough to shift on over there to Blog Talk Radio. We are leaving you Periscope until tonight at 8 p.m. for Prophetic Ed. And you're going to love it because I'm sharing some things. God bless you. Have a great afternoon. All right. All right, guys, as we shift, going to give you a few announcements and let you know, again, those website addresses that you're going to need to get your information about Christ University. 
You can go online, visit us, priceuniversity.org. If you visited during the show, just click refresh. We have actually been adding. We're going to be continuing to add, so stick with us. Put Save the site to your favorites. If there are questions that you have, you may find that just within a day or two, those questions are online and are answered there. So save priceuniversity.org to your favorites as we continue to add more and more information that will help you make your decision to join us here in Tulsa or to register for the online school. Some dates that you want to be aware of, enrollment day in Tulsa is September 11th. September 11th, I'm going to go ahead and grab my calendar so I can tell you what day of the week that is. That's Monday. So Monday, September 11th is enrollment day, uh, and we also kick off registration week here in Tulsa, the 11th through the 15th. So if you are planning on joining us in the city to do campus, those are some dates that you want to be aware of, as well as uh, enrollment and some, some inf more information of, of how to get your classes registered for the online school will be available that week as well. What you want to do for Price University is go ahead and start with your application process. That's going to be your first step, and then from there, uh, you'll, you'll, we'll be in contact with you to help you move through your enrollment pipeline. If you have questions, you can always let us know and schedule a consultation with us. You'll find the number there online, 877-419-1299, 877-419-1299. We'll get you set up for a consultation appointment so we can walk you through all that you'll need to know about for attending PriceU and all the information that you'll want to know. So again, Give us a call, 877-419-1299, to set up a consultation. When you call, let us know, hey, I'd like to set up a consultation and talk about Price University. That way we can go ahead and get you an official appointment and talk with you about what you'll need to get set up for your enrollment, all right? So visit us online, priceuniversity.org, and save us to your favorites. Click refresh if you've been on the site since the call, so you can see the changes that have been added even since the call began. And all the information about the online school is there, and there'll be more information to come. So one to let you guys know about that, so don't miss out on what God is doing there. If you would like to join the mailing list, as you heard Prophet, Prophet Ashley mention earlier, want to let you know about how you can do that. If you visit us online at drpaulaaprice.com, drpaulaaprice.com, you'll see a link right there on the homepage to join the mailing list. That's really important. We're going to be sending a flood of information about Price University, so you want to make sure that you're a part of our mailing list so that you receive that. Um, when you do receive emails from us, make sure that you don't click the spam button because it will actually cancel you out of all of the emails. So um, if you do, maybe create a special folder for us so that all of our emails go in one place so you can easily find us. Um, but we will be sending out a lot of information about Price U in the days to come. So you can join our mailing list online at Dr. Paula A. Price. Com. If you are not following Dr. Price on social media, get on this train. Don't miss out on this. She's broadcasting three times a week, guys, three times a week, and you can get in on those broadcasts by following her on Facebook at facebook.com slash Dr. Paula Price. So if this is your first time listening, we thank you so much for tuning in to the Paula Price Show. We're here every Thursday, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., and we encourage you to follow Dr. Price on Facebook, facebook.com slash Dr. Paula Price. You can also follow her on Twitter. On Twitter, all of her Periscope broadcasts are shared on her Twitter homepage. Her handle on Twitter is at Dr. Paula Price. Again, her handle on Twitter is at Dr. Paula Price. So join us there, either Facebook or Twitter, so you can always stay tuned as to when she's about to broadcast live. She'll be live tonight at 8 o'clock p.m., 
for prophetic ed. So if you're prophetic, you're on the line, you're a prophet, a seer, a prophetic worshiper, an intercessor, you want to make prophetic ed your daily, your your evening broadcast every Thursday, 8 o'clock p.m. And details about that broadcast are online at drpaulaaprice.com. Now, before I let you go, want to let you know how you can always tune in to the Paula Price Show and take the Paula Price Show with you, Paula Price Show on the go. You can download the podcast to your mobile device. If you're an iTunes user, an Apple user, then just download the podcast app and look up Paula Price Show. And would you do us a favor? Rate us. Rate the show. Click the stars so that you can leave a review. We so appreciate it. If you are an iTunes user, leave a review for us. If you are an Android user, download the app called CastBox and type in the Paula Price Show, and you'll be able to listen to the Paula Price Show on the go. If you download the podcast app, what will happen is after the show is live, a few hours or so, that show is then available in your library. So that's how you can listen to it on the go on your mobile device and never miss an episode of the Paula Price Show. All right, I'm going to turn it back over to Prophet Ashley. Uh, hit that number one if you'd like to talk to, talk to Dr. Price in the second hour. And before I let you go, just want to let you know August 4th through the 6th, Dr. Price will be in Joliet, Illinois for Prophetic Ed. So if you are in the Chicago area, you want to make sure you're a part of that. More details to come. So stay tuned to drpaulaprice.com on how you can get registered for Prophetic Ed in Joliet, Illinois, this August 4th through 6th. Prophet Ashley, back to you. All right, Prophet Adia, thank you so much. And, yes, we do have some calls lined up for the second portion of the show. I can't wait to hear it myself. So we'll be right back after these messages. Hi, my name is Chief Prophet Tala Price, and I want to invite you to join me every Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time for a riveting and exciting discussion of my favorite book by my favorite author. Yes, Before the Garden, God's Eternal Continuum, written by the one and only Dr. Paula Price. Join us on our weekly journey of studying the history of eternity as it's been revealed through Scripture. Learn your God, learn your world, learn yourself, and even your Savior before time began. We're going to discuss revelationary answers to age-old questions like, how did we get here? Why does our planet exist? Does it have a creator? What was on his mind concerning us? And why did he bring Christ and Christianity into our world? Topics like these and more we'll be discussing every Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. You can join us on Facebook Live or by Periscope. For more information, visit www.tallaprice.com. That's www.tallaprice.com. Hey guys, this is Miss Adia from Saturday Morning Kids. Every Saturday, we post a brand new episode full of God's power, full of God's word, just for kids ages 8 through 12. Subscribe to us on YouTube under Kingdom 5 Student Ministries. That's Kingdom 5 Student Ministries only on YouTube. Kids, I'm talking to you. We're diving into purpose, destiny, and God's plan for our lives. So I'll see you every Saturday for Saturday Morning Kids. New Era Apostleship Restitution, or NEAR, is a kingdom collaborative founded by Dr. Paula Price that unites God's New Era ministries, visions, and ventures 
businesses, and professionals in powerful, productive, and profitable ways that are mutually beneficial to all involved. Based on your level of membership, joining NEAR will give you access to assessment-based coaching and mentorship, personal ministry training and education, ministry credentialing and accreditation, spiritual covering and intervention, vision and ministry development, business and professional development, and more. Visit www.joinnear.com for membership and benefits information. That's www.joinnear.com. Did you know PPM Global Resources offers prophetic advisements? Talk to our certified prophetic team of ordained prophets, apostles, and professional advisors and get the wisdom you need now. There's no monthly commitment required for a single session, and current students may now add on to your existing services. Choose your advisor, choose your time, then purchase your session. Book online at www.ppmglobalresources.com and click on the Advisements tab to begin your journey of prophetic advisements. Hi, this is Dr. Paula Price, host of the Paula Price Show, reminding you to revisit last week's program at blogtalkradio.com backslash Paula Price Show. All right, and we are back for the second portion of the Paula Price Show with our host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary and so many more titles. (laughs) (laughs) Many more titles. Glory to God. (laughs) And you know what, Ashley? More to come. So do we have people not? Yes, we do. All right. All right. First up, we have Marsha from Massachusetts, and she is on the line for general prayer. Marsha, welcome to the Paul Fry Show. Hello. God bless. God bless. How are you? I'm doing good, and yourself, Dr. Price. All excited up, Marsha. You can hear me. I'm on fire. Did you hear me, Marsha? I am on fire. Yeah, I'm excited. There's a lot going on. It's very exciting, the school and the campus and the online and the the online church, all that stuff is awesome. It's a blessing. And you know what? It's kind of like God is, you know, Marsha, I can say this to you and the rest of our listeners. I went underground, had to go through my hiatus and all of that stuff to be remade and and gutted for the third time and reconstructed. But now God is like, okay, so we need to redeem the time. And I mean, he's hastening his word to perform it. Amen. Amen. That's encouraging, too. <clears throat> encouraging <laughs> for me personally. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear it. So let's talk about you. What's going on? Well, I'm calling in for general prayer um, because um, you had said something a few weeks back and um, really like, you know, just checking the intent of my heart, you know, looking at the things that have been coming up that have happened in the past where I was like, oh, wow, you know, I really didn't see, I really didn't see the intent upon me acting that way or doing certain things. And so I haven't been getting down about it, but I was like, oh, you know, like, I'm, I'm, like God is showing me, you know, he's showing me myself. He's, you know, 
showing me things I didn't know were there. And so um, that's why I was calling in for general prayer. I was like, you know what, I just need to get some prayer. Well, what I would like to say to you is that prayer is what you're going to get here because, you know, that's what I believe in, and I know that prayer works. Um, I'm going to pray, but what I pray, I want you to listen to, Marcia, so that you do what is prayed because oftentimes okay. we Really hear me out, sweetheart, because this is important. I'm glad you called back, though, for us to discuss some things. But oftentimes we ask people to pray, but we really are praying and with, along with them that they say what we want them to say. Mm-hmm. I want to, God says, I want you to start fulfilling the words of prayer that you pray to me. I need you to take seriously that I have given you my ear that I'm interested in what you're going through. I don't need you to keep explaining it. I'm not curious because I know. So when we pray today, um, and, um, and you, you don't have to do it right now. You'll go back after the show or later on this evening when you finish your work day and write down or re-listen to the prayer and then write down the steps that you need to take for its fulfillment. Okay. Because people, because of how we've been trained in too many camps, we think that if we pray to God and it's God's responsibility to answer the prayer by doing the work. And God says that he's going to use you as a mighty intercessor. And you're going to have to learn to teach people how to take on their prayer load. There is a load of your prayer that you must shoulder. And Mm. that means work associated with it. So that's why we I love the intercessors program that we have and the way I develop my intercessors. I simply said, uh, if you're not going to do the work, you're not going to stand here and grant and make all these words and all these grandiose statements. You're going to do the work. And once we started doing the work of our prayers, I promise you, the Lord started performing his work because prayers are the schematic, the spiritual schematic of what you want to embody and enact on earth. Okay. Now, why am I saying this to you? Because you've got a lot of things held up, and you've talked to God about repetitive things and whatever, and you're like, okay, God, well, I'm just I'm waiting for you, whatever. But if you write out what you pray, you will almost see the work that should go with it. Does that speak to you at all? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. So that's what I'm hearing God say to you, that, you know, there are a lot of things you keep telling God and people like us, because we all do it to them. But, you know, you keep saying to the Lord, Lord, I'm waiting for you to answer this. I've got all of these prayers. I've got all of these things I need you to do. And, and, and you know, God, I'm still waiting. I mean, I got to pray from 1980 this and, you know, 2001 so-and-so, and then, from you know, 2015 that and on and on. But God is like, but you still have your prayers in print. You have not mm. taken them from print to pursuit, from pursuit to mm. performance. Wow. So I can pray, but you have a lot of your prayers are answered in what I just said. And I think you're hearing that, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> okay. And so, and it's important because you know, I I don't just jump in and pray, neither do I just jump in and prophesy, because most of us are in positions that came upon us unexpectedly. We were blindsided, and sometimes we have to deal with our spiritual blindside. 
You know, we have those spiritual blind sides where doctrine is, is operating as spiritual wisdom or God's logic. And sometimes doctrine does a good job in that, and other times it doesn't do too well. So I would love for you to, uh, when we're done, I want you to go and get those journals that are sitting there. If you, I'm seeing one on the table. Um, it, it looks like you have something that's kind of a red flowery kind of one. It seems like there's a lot going on in that one. But God said, go and get those journals and all of those notes, because you take notes about a lot of things. Go and get yes. journals. Take and he said, and I want you to go through your prayer. He said, and from this day forward, I do not want you to mix your prayer journal up with your study journal. I don't want you to do that any longer. <laughs> he said, I don't want you to do that because you don't want to go back and, and rip it out. You know? And so I want you to keep your study journal as your study journal. I want you to keep your prayer journal as your prayer journal, journal, says God. And he says, and I want you to also separate your other two journals from your prophecy journals because there are prophecies that you're treating as prayers and mm. prayers that you're treating as prophecies. And so, mm. you know, I can't get into class right now, but God wants you to separate that your so that when you need to, when you want to see if God has done it, you don't go to some great big thick book that's all disorganized and thinking he hasn't done it. I said to my people a couple of times uh, going back maybe a few years, I said, if you all don't give me um, spiritual reports and, and manifestation reports, I don't know if God did something or not. So I'm praying and charging him with not doing it. And he's done mm. it. He, but, but because you didn't write out your prayers, you couldn't recognize it manifestation. Amen. I hear you. Now, now, that's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, it is because um, I have like so many journals, and you got them right. It's four of them. And I've been getting confused because I go back to try to find something. I'm like, okay, now which journal did I put it in? So I ended up having to go. I had to stop writing for a while because I was getting too overwhelmed. Um, and so now I went back and I separated them out. I, I've been separating out the, the journals. So. Yes, I receive everything you said about that for sure. Mm -hmm. Because you need to do that because you also have told God you want to teach his people, Marsha. You want to do all yes. these great things, God, and you are not uh, yet at a place where he can rely on your records for impartation. Mm -mm -mm. My God. You know, people talk about me, the writings and whatever, but I never, ever just blow God's words off. Now, I don't really need journals any longer because my, I've changed so much. My spirit has grown so much, and I've produced so many hundreds of thousands of words for him and, you know, tens of thousands of pages that we don't need that. But starting out, that's what he required me to do. And I would go and try to write something he says to me in one journal, and he would just stop me. He said, that doesn't go there. You know, we don't think God mm -hmm. is as orderly as he is. He said, it doesn't go there. That goes over here. He said, and keep them separate so that you'll know what I'm doing. So I would say that to you, and I spent this time with you, Marsha, because I feel like a number of people listening in right now need to understand what's happening with their prayers. Uh, starting about mid-August, I'm going to complete the next edition of Prayer Portal, and we're going to talk about prayer habits because a lot of times our prayer habits are hindering our prayer answers. Mm. Mm. Okay? Does that speak to yes. you, Marshall? Yes, so, it does. And I took your two other courses on the prayer portals, so I'm excited about this Monday morning is coming up. 
Yes, it's going to, because we have to, you know, keep doing it. They may seem like elementary things. Some things may seem like they're complex, but understand that God simplifies himself for us. But by nature of his very being, he's a complex being. He's complex. Mm. His brain is complex. His body, his heart is complex, which is why we can't always tap into his emotions and sentiments. So, um, in the prayer thing, we're talking about that. But God wants you to make those, finish that, that separating out, and then make sure that you lodge them as if you are, expect God to do something to it and you expect to have to refer to them again and again. Mm, okay. Because remember, if you're going to walk out of prayer, it's going to take work. Walking out of prayer is not just chanting it across your living room just walking, pacing back and forth. But oftentimes we, when we say we're going to walk it out, we really mean when we want to pace. But God, it, it, to walk it out means to execute. So if you're going to do if God is real, and that's the thing that I have found, the more real we respond to God's basic instructions, the more realistically we respond to them, the more active he becomes in the manifestation of our prayers. And mm-hmm. he begins to let you know when he appreciates it. And he'll start saying, okay, from now on, I'm going to do so-and-so and so-and-so. Really, God? Well, because you handled that task or you handled that counsel and instruction responsibly. And I'm telling you, in my prayer portal this time, we're going to talk about responsible handling of God's words and voice. We've heard people say how to hear it, but nobody tells you what to do with it after you hear it. And if they tell you what to do with it, they just tell you to meditate and pray. And then you said, but then we start with prayer. So, isn't that how we started? So I'm going to go yep. on with that. <laughs> we started with prayer, and then you want to go pray. All right. So that was really helpful. That's like a doctor go, he tell you to go to the doctor for a treatment. He tell you to go home and read up on it. Wait a minute. I'm with you. You know. So, oh, I bless this man called Jesus. Father God, we love you. We love you. We love you, Jesus Christ. We love you, Lord of all. We love you, God of glory. There is nothing like you, Lord. I'm asking that as as we go forward and even as I advance in this prayer, Lord, that you touch people to start not just listening to your voice for enthusiasm or entertainment, but to listen to it and to learn your way. I'm asking, God, that as we continue to go forward, fulfilling your mandate on our lives, that people begin to take you seriously again, that you cease to be a joke, you cease to be politics, you cease to be entertainment or gimmicks or manipulation, that you personify yourself in our lives and we personalize our interactions with you. That is what I'm asking today, God, for your people, for your glory, and for them to reap the benefits of being your child, being your offspring, being your family. I'm asking for that, God. Now, I lift up Marcia to you, Lord, and I give her, her petitions into your will. And I say into your will because they're already in her hands. But I'm giving them into your will, and I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, that you lead her and you guide her path, that you direct her, instruct her, God, but most importantly, that you impress upon her the importance of taking you seriously as the living God. Over and over again in Scripture, you said, I'm the living God, I'm the living God. We never explored what that meant, Jesus. But I'm asking that you would give her a vivid revelation 
of you as the living God in her life. And, Lord, in such a way that will increase her interactions with you and enhance them as well so that she treats you as if you are a real partner, collaborator, and co-laborer in her prayers, petitions, and ventures. And I'm thanking you for doing it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Cross. You're very welcome. We'll talk soon, Marsha. Yes, ma'am. God bless. Prophet Ashley. All right, Dr. Price. Next up, we have Joanne from Pennsylvania, and she is calling for prayer for anxiety and stress. Joanne, welcome to the Paula Price Show. Hello. Hi, Joanne. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah, are you? I'm doing okay. <laughs> now, Joanne, are you on medication for anxiety, and did you go to the doctors? Yes, I, I do. I go to to the doctors, and I take meds. Um, but for me, sometimes I feel like it could be something else. I don't know what could be the source of the anxiety and, you know, the anxiousness and racing thoughts. Right, but didn't you get a diagnosis, my beloved? Yeah, I did. And you don't like the diagnosis, is that true? Um, yeah, but also too, because like they're in the process of like re-diagnosing me, because they don't think is what it was before. So. Okay, because you realize that right now I'm looking at you right now, and I'm telling you, you have got to want to make this happen. You heard what I just said to this woman about prayer. Yeah. Okay, did you understand what I said to her? Yeah, I did. Uh-huh. And it, and it pertains to you, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. <laughs> because you are, hear me, baby, you have got to hear me. I say this to you and I speak to you as a daughter in the Lord, as as a mother in Zion. I'm telling you, there is no magic pill, no magic bullet. There is no just quick, easy, problem-free way of getting what you want. You have hopes for your life. You've got dreams that are so big and so vivid that they overwhelm you, but you have to have the motivation. And part of that motivation is believing, A, that they that you can do some of this, and B, that God wants it for you. Okay. Now, I know that I think you have at least a couple of times uh, set up prophetic advisement and ministerial advisement. Is that true? Yes. Okay, but we need you to finish those. Okay. You can. Okay, I need you to finish. I need you to maintain your schedule. And the reason I'm saying that is because oftentimes exaggerated or exacerbated symptoms or increase in our symptoms or intensity are the spirits that are being dislodged. They don't want to go, so they make you think it's not working. Mm, okay. So they ramp, they really, you know, they, you know, ramp it up a little bit. They amp up their, their uh, symptoms or their uh, sensations so that you will think you will fall back into futility. 
This is right. that's a defense mechanism for them. And it's also a, beyond the spiritual side. Let's just get a little more practical, but it's also habitual. Your body is used to fending off change in certain ways. Okay. And when it feels threatened, a habit or a desire or medication, I mean, that's the whole premise of drug addiction, when it feels threatened uh, or when its present solutions feel threatened, then the, the, it starts looking for them and it starts telling you all you have to do is just increase this. But you yourself, your will, like I'm going to tell you, I know, I don't know if you started 3D or not, but you, my beloved, you need to start 3D and you need to finish it. Okay. Because your will to have a certain stasis that is unrealistic keeps you in bondage. Mm-hmm. So, it keeps you in bondage because you're, you want, I, I, I want to, here's, here's an example so you understand. I, I, I don't want to be tired. So people who have programmed themselves to never be fatigued will never go beyond their limit. Whatever moment or point of, of uh, fatigue they feel they are approaching, they drop activity. These are people who have to be in bed by 6 o'clock even though they don't have to be to work until 9 a.m. See, these are those people. These are the people who are gonna not going to go out and enjoy life. They're not going to do anything that puts them into fatigue. Something told their will to guard them against even the, the possibility or the appearance of fatigue. So to them, whatever it takes. That, now, these are people who won't take certain jobs. They won't take certain opportunities. They won't come out the house. They're not going to do a lot of things simply because they have commanded their will to defend them and to shield them from fatigue. Mm. So people have a lot of that, and we all do it. Some of, them, some of those things are very, very good, very healthy for us, but some become crutches, and then they become detrimental to our well-being or our growth. And you need to grow, and God wants yeah. you to grow. And growing means you're going to have to stop okaying your dropouts because okay. you okay your dropouts. So well, I'm going to pray, but I'm telling you, when this is over, I need you to at least get on a program and stay on this program for as long as it takes. Now, if I had to tell you what the Holy Ghost is saying, God says you need 36 months of consistent, uninterrupted, facilitation in this area. You have to be rebuilt. So your soul must be rebuilt. A lot of times we convert our souls to Christ because we just love him. So we convert it at least superficially. We go to church. We read our Bible. We start doing Christian things. We love Christianity. We start falling in love with that. We start whatever. But then there is the rewriting, the reconstructing of that soul to succeed and to sustain. That is a different process. You need that. And I hear God saying, if you would work with me, I can bring you through. But it will not be a magic. God is not going to knock you out and give you a 36-month rest and wake you up all done. This is not, you know, surgery like that. This is going to be constantly, literally, inquiring your will and then altering it. And on and on and on and on again until you are free. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually see a therapist. I didn't say that. 
Because I, okay. I don't want you to stop seeing a therapist. I'm saying that if you're still having these issues, what you and your therapist are doing are dancing around the, the real strong man. Okay. I'm 100% for therapy. Please don't stop. You know, I feel like if you, what we can do, I'm telling you, though, that, you know, there is a way God does things and there's a way man does things. That doesn't, okay. the way God does things is when he supersedes man's ways, not eliminate, not eradicate. He supersedes man's way. And so there is a way that God does things, and he does things for his own purposes. And so therapy may give you an outlet. Many times you go to therapy, it gives you a chance to talk out your issues, explore yourself, and all of that. That's great. But Scripture said it's not in man to know his ways. Mm. So it's not in you. you can, that's why people are in therapy forever, because it's not in them to know their heart, to know their ways. So the, the therapist just keeps leading them and guiding them through various things and, and escalations, letting them go into various doors and windows of their past and of their pain, and there's nothing wrong with that. Everybody on the line, I want you to listen to me because, see, you guys will go out there and say, she told me to leave my therapist. Did not say that, but I am telling you that you need God's intervention because he is the maker. Okay. All right, so I'm going to pray. God, I praise you. First of all, Lord, I praise you for Joanne, Lord. She stays with you. She keeps seeking you. She keeps trying to learn you. And I thank you, Lord, for her persistence and her determination to become what you want. I'm asking now, Lord, that you make everything that I just communicated to her make perfect sense to her life and to her, and then lead her and guide her into the truth that will make her free. And I praise you for doing it. Lord, I bless her therapist to get insight and revelation on her that only you can give so that we can expedite her process, expedite her deliverance, and, Lord, get her into a place where she can be productive and she can see vision fulfilled in her life. And I thank you for it all, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you. You're welcome. God bless. God bless. Okay, Prophet, I got time. I have, yeah, I have time for one more at least. Yes, you do. Next on the line is Kareem from Maryland, and Kareem is calling for a general prayer and a prophetic word. Kareem, welcome to the Paula Price Show. Hey, God bless you guys. How are you? Uh, fine. How are you? I am very good. I'm excited to uh, be on this call. I spoke to you. Uh, I'm not too good with time. It might have been. February or January, yeah. January. So um, I, I never got a chance. Every time I try to call back, I can never get through. So praise God, I got through today. Well, I'm glad you did. I remember you only because of your voice. You have a very distinct voice, which and you have a very robust spirit. That those are the two things I do know, Kareem. Very distinct voice and very robust spirit. Now, how are things going with you in church? The church is doing pretty good. Uh, the church has been growing, and, um, you know, we've, we've been uh, getting people to step out, step into evangelism. So we've been mobilizing the church, and we have an event coming up next week. So um, I would like to do more. I have a lot of ideas, but um, I'm I, trying, to, trying to basically, um, you know, use wisdom as to how much I can put on the plate of the members, you know, um, to make sure that they have time for their family and all kinds of stuff. So, but but I have a pretty pretty um, 
clear vision of what I would like to do. And um, so the church is pretty good. Can't complain about that. Um, well, one thing I would like, though, um, there's two things that really kind of pressed upon my heart. Uh, one was when we spoke last time, um, you had told me that you, you had said that I was out of my destiny, um, but you we didn't have enough time to elaborate on that. And then you had also told me, but the Lord says that your season or something like your time is now. Uh, so that's one, if if the Lord permits for you to elaborate. And number two, um, I really would like the Lord to um, speak to me on the issue of a spouse, and he's been very quiet on that issue. Uh, I have someone very close to me. She's she's a prophet, and you know, so she'll give me some words, very very accurate words. But he's been very quiet even in that area even with her. So personally, speak to me about other things, but he doesn't really touch on that. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted your thoughts and, and prayer on those two things. Well, I'm, I'm first of all, I'm honored to be able to do this for the Lord. I love doing this for God. That's the first thing I'd like to say, and then I'll answer your questions. The first thing I want to talk about is the church. Your church is young. If I remember, it's fairly young, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How how young Everybody, is your church? Everyone is in I'm their twenties, thirties, or you know, late teens. Or late teens. So you have a lot of our millennials, if you will, which yeah. is mm-hmm. you know, pre and post. And also, how many years have you been in existence? I know I should know this, but I don't remember. Uh, let me see. Isn't this the third year? No, 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 no. I, I've been preaching since I was 17. And I've had my own ministry since 19. And so I've been in, um, I'm, I'm just turned 30 in April. So but I've so had my own ministry for about church, The church itself, uh, how long has the church itself been meeting? Church, at, functioning as a church, about six or seven years. Okay, six or seven years. And the reason I'm saying that because, is because, to me, first of all, God just loves baby churches. He just gets a tick out of them, you know, just like people enjoy babies. That, that's a wonderful uh-huh. thing, you know, he does. But I want to uh-huh. say this, you you are wise in the, in the fact that you are saying, I want to manage and to really regulate the pressures I put on my people. That's mm-hmm. very wise. Maintain that stance says the Lord. And also, before you, when, with a young church, before you put a lot on them, you have to first grow them up to take the, to, the burdens. For example, if you had a young child, even if your child turned out to be smart or genius, they still have to grow up physiologically to support their gifts and talents and to support what they are to do with them. Okay, so you want to make sure that your people know successes so that they're always building on their last success. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense to you? So that if you say we're going to, uh, we're going to get, we're going to increase our numbers, let's just say by 25%. Okay, so that's nice. That sounds good. But then right after that, you're saying, oh, and by the way, we're going to go in on the radio. And then, oh, and by the way, we're going to do, your people will attempt to do it because they want to please you. But if they don't mm-hmm. have the physical stamina and endurance, they're going to drop the ball, ball and then begin to feel guilty. When they start feeling guilty is when they stop showing up because they feel like they mm-hmm. failed you and they can't 
up. So what you want to do is say, let's get these 25% growth. Okay, guys, we've done it. You got a nice little, you know, a meter on the wall or a, a thermometer or whatever on the wall, and you're, you're making your, your headway. I'm using this as an example. <clears throat> yes. But then what you do is when they hit it, yay, make a big deal about it, celebrate it, celebrate the new members, and now you can present another thing saying, hey, we were so successful in that, let's do this. And by the time you get to the point of 10 years down the line, you will a lot of the other things that you want to get done, they, A, will think about it, B, will get it done, but also, C, they'll be strong enough to make it happen for you. And you'll look around and you've got a powerful organization and powerful people also. Most, most churches have powerful buildings, powerful structure, laws, rules, institutions. People as fragile as, as they can be. But you don't want fragile people. You have stated that by what you have said. So I'm just giving you that as a, 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 a side, you know, counsel. Mm-hmm. Moving into your destiny, I think it ties into, Kareem, what I just said. You have got to grow up to the vision you have. And Mm -hmm. so you start, you know, like a lot of times you start a church, you know, teenagers can have babies, but that doesn't mean they can raise children. Yeah, that's true. And teenagers can have, can get married, but that doesn't mean they can build a family or build Mm -hmm. a life. So you have to grow into purpose and destiny. In God's mind, he wants you to continue to stay your course because you are right Mm -hmm. now doing what he wants. Stay your course, but don't get ahead of your capacity. Destiny has is ha- destiny requires three things. Um, capacity, you have to have the capacity. In other words, you may have a tub with 24 gallons of water in it, but if you mm-hmm. don't have a container, a bottle that can hold 24 gallons of water, it lacks capacity. So now you have to go mm-hmm. get a larger bottle or waste water. Now, so that's the first mm-hmm. thing you want to do. Second thing is that it requires capabilities. That means that there has to be a potential, and that potential has to be mature enough to sustain the effort, and that after that, the success. So we're mm-hmm. going to sustain the effort. I can, I, and, and when I say sustain the effort, I mean able to pull the long hours, able to make friends, able to get out there and move in those circles, able to do the research and then act on it, able to strategize and to plan. All of that comes under capability. Most Christians bypass all of that and go right to the harvest. Mm. Now, if you are one of those who go right to the harvest, you're the person who does, I don't want to care about all of that. Just give me the bottom line, and then I'm just going to go and preach and just see what God does, and then I'm going to go and draw people. And if your charisma is great enough, it will draw people, but you won't know what to do with them. And mm-hmm. some people you want to get one shot at. So when God is talking about your destiny, he's saying, I want to mature you enough that you become a reaper and a keeper. That's good. And so, you know, because so many people are. So if you're not going to go after the harvest, which means the harvest is you're going to go after immature fruit, you have to go after half-ripe fruit, you have to go after fruit that hasn't even been planted, you have to go after the seed and just forget the seed. You're going to do it like you do pumpkin seeds, just eat it. And so, yeah, you're not growing. What you're eating, you're not growing. And so 
God wants you to stay your course and be patient. Your life is marked out. You are going, no matter how much you think you have it today and how great you are, it doesn't matter. And you are good. You have a strong spirit and you have a strong mind and a very compassionate heart through God and his people. No matter what you feel, wisdom comes from the 24-7 wisdom. You can only get wisdom in a 24-7 window. It has to be 24-7, 365. Knowledge you can get in a semester. You can get information in a reading. But wisdom, the how-to that knows how. See, did you mm-hmm. hear what I just said? The how-to the how-to. that knows how. Yeah, see, the how-to that knows how. See, because a lot of people have the how-to, but they don't know how. And so yeah. God wants you to be that man that has the how, how-to that knows how. And so that's very important. And so you have got to be patient with God in that and allow him. Your call is too great. God, whenever God doesn't rush you, it's because he wants to, wants to truly equip you to last a long time. Anything that mm-hmm. God doesn't want, want to deal with for the long term, he rushes to power. He rushes to position. He rushes to growth. And then lets it die. Mm-hmm. Have you watched him do that? You have people who started with you, and they started out, they had everything worked from click, 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 and where are they today? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they are placeholders. And God will always rush a placeholder holder while he gets the permanent ready. Mm. Always. Watch, watch his hand. So take your time and let him pace you out. He's going to do it. I want to talk to you about your spouse. I'm going to be honest with you. God's silent about your spouse for two reasons. Number one, he's tired of you making that a condition of you serving him. He's tired of it being a condition of your contentment and happiness or your uh, agreement because you are seeking a spouse more for image reasons than any other. Number one. The next thing, to be honest with you, God's not going to talk to you about a spouse because you're not ready to be a husband. The woman he has for you is an amazing female. She is brilliant. She's sharp. She's sassy. She is committed and determined, but she does not have any patience for disappointment. So God's building in you everything you need not to disappoint her. Did we lose you? No, I'm here. (laughs) I was listening. Because you know I'm right. Your reasons are you see families, you want to have all of the superficial enjoyments of family, but what it takes to, to literally Yoke yourself with someone who's going to help you achieve God's vision. You have not even, God hasn't even opened that packet to you yet. That thing is still packed up on the shelf. But he will. So you have to recognize that when you can come to terms with God and produce what God needs without a wife, without a distraction, well, you can still give him your best and your most. When you can come to terms with that reality, then you and God are going to talk about stuff. Now, let me just say this, because I say it all the time to people, and I'm going to say it to you again, and it's in my teachings. If you go online to PaulaPrice.com, you'll see it. But let me just say this to you, my beloved. Adam was single a long time. I know we talk about it as if Adam and Eve were made together. No, mm -mm. Adam was single a long time. God made Adam, 
and then made Adam wait while he handmade all of the creatures that Adam had to rule over and name. How long do you think that took? It's a good point. So Adam was a single <laughs> Adam was a single man who had to build God's kingdom and build what God needed first because God knew when he got that wife, she was going to take him off course. Mm. So he had to get all of those perpetual and, and, and uh, durable, sustaining things done while Adam had no distractions. The church authorizes immature fruit, distractions, and failed marriages. That is not God. So God made Adam wait. He was a single man for however long it took. There was him and his, him and his God. And God's companion was Adam, and Adam's companion was God. And he, uh, during that time, God taught him a lot about creation, about his world, about how he does things, on and on and on again. Now, we can come all the way down the line and we see God doing that pattern one more time with Isaac. And Isaac is building God's kingdom and taking care of and he gets married at 40 because 40 is the number of rulership. So he gets married at 40. But what, has, what does his wife enter into? All his kingdom, all of his kingdom, mm. all his work. She doesn't have to go in there and figure out how she's going to pay for this and pay for that and how she's going to learn this and learn that. She enters in as his queen, and she enters into more than an empty title and a low bank account. The last one. Yeah, let me finish. The last one is Boaz. He waited. My point to you, and I want to say this to you because you need to hear it, but there are a lot of men, on the, young men on the line who have been forced into marrying what passed by instead of what they want to reign with. So let me finish this last statement. You have got to prove to God that the woman you're praying for, you are worthy of and ready for. I'm done. Uh, We got one minute because, you know, Prophet Ashley is going to be sending me a memo soon. Yeah. All right. So, two things. <laughs> it's a it's a simple question. You know, the Lord called me at such a young age. One, why do you think He called me so young, without family? And number two, should I expect the Lord to speak to me directly on that subject, or, you know, is one to make a choice based off of wisdom. But, you know, everyone's doing it differently, and so I really want to do it God's way. What do you think is God's way, along with everything God's, you've already said? God's way for you is mouth-to-mouth, work, face-to-face. Obviously, he called you that way because he wants to lead you for all your days directly instead of through intermediaries and agents for the most part. That's number one. Number two, God called you young because he wanted to be the first voice that the first spiritual voice that dominated your life. And if he had otherwise he'd have to compete with all of the other spiritual voices that you would run encounter as you grew up. So the last part of the question I'm going to answer this way. If God doesn't know who he prepared for you, as far as I'm concerned, nobody else does. 
Okay. So if you and God have that kind of relationship, then, and I never knew that, but my whole counsel to you points toward that relationship, really those last two questions. So if you and God have that kind of relationship, then let God be God and you be a son. Mm-hmm. Amen. All right, I got to play quickly. I'm glad you called. Thank you for calling in. Father, thank, thank you for coming. Watch over to every word that I prayed, every word that I've counseled, every wisdom, God. And I thank you for leading him and guiding him. You're protecting him for a certain woman, God. Give him peace and give him patience with the rest. And do not allow the goading of other men who were impatient and the goading of other folks who were just unable to, to wait for what you had and took what was there, move this man off his perch. Move him off his place of faith in you and trust. Give him peace. Give him love. Give him patience, and when it's time, God, you be the voice that makes the call. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. God bless you. All right, Prophet Ashley, I went over. Are you going to talk to me about that or what? Did you see how I just behaved myself and didn't even say It was too good to cut off. I know, but you, and you know, because usually you will. So, hey, we went over a little bit, don't like to go over, but we did. Thank you for joining us. Have a great afternoon. And then don't forget to come back again tonight at 8 p.m. Central Time for Prophetic Ed. God bless you. Share, 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 share. Are you saying share? Thank you for tuning in to the Paula Price Show. Become a financial supporter today by visiting www.drpaulaaprice.com and click on Sow a Seed. Donate today.